Hello everyone, welcome to BYOB, bit of a special pod for you today because it's another big cinematic event this weekend as you probably will have seen. Killers of the Flower Moon came out, another Scorsese beast making its way onto the big screen. Full disclosure, I haven't been to see it thus far so a lot of heavy lifting to be done by Mr Jack Hussey, how are you sir? I'm good thanks mate, I'm good. Um, yeah, it's like you say, it's a, it's a, it's a cinematic event isn't it? It's Big Marts, maybe, you know, if we've been pessimistic, maybe his last film, a lot of people are talking about it in that fashion. Um, yeah, it's a heavy one. It's a heavy one. And it's, there's been a lot of excitement about this film, a lot of talk about it. Um, I did see it on Friday night. I saw it in IMAX as well. And yeah, yeah, there's a... I would say it's we do a spoiler-free kind of discussion around this, but the funny thing is... You can't really spoil this film. Um, so that's quite interesting. Like, because watching the trailers, you might not have thought that. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. And what I would say is, and you know, we know that trailers are themselves part of the business, right? They're part of the movie business. They are there to sell films, there to get bums on seats, as, as the expression goes in the UK at least. Um, so you would imagine a lot of people having seen Scorsese's back catalogue of movies we're talking like his kind of mafia movies, The Departed The Irishman most recently I think The Irishman quite a slow paced film as well but some people might be expecting high action maybe not high action but at least still an action film of sorts with you know, lots of tension, violence, and so on and so forth. Um, and that's kind of what I, I would be interested to know from your perspective. That's what the trailer makes out oh my gosh, it's going to be, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the tra for me, the trailer has, it makes it feel as though, because I haven't seen the film, this is not a spoiler. The trailer makes it feel as though you're getting into a kind of, um, like a, almost like there's going to be, almost war-like scenes within the film and there's going to be rising tension. There's going to be big fights, um, lots of action, um, a lot of a really amazing character stuff, obviously with, with the way that it kind of leads you, but it definitely feels as though it's going to be quite a larger than life film. But then when I, so I was looking for a showing to go and see this on the weekend and just with sheer volume of weekend work, I was like, right, can I get in a showing on Sunday night? And I was like, why isn't there a showing past 7pm? And then I realised it's because of the runtime. Yeah, it's longer than The Irishman, I believe, um, which, you know, a lot was made about the, the running time of that movie. Three hours and 26 minutes, I want to say. Um, How does it feel? It does, it does feel long. It's very, I mean, the point I was leading to, it's a very slow film. If you've seen, right. I, I would say... If you liken it more, if you're going to liken it to one of Scorsese's back catalogue, I would almost put it more in tune with a film like Silence that he made with Adam Driver and Adam Andrew Garfield in 2016, which was about kind of Christian pilgrims um, trying to essentially spread Christianity, missionaries throughout Asia, um, which was a very slow-paced, very personal film for Scorsese examining kind of the plight of Christian martyrs, but also Christianity's place in colonization as well. 
Um, so it was, yeah, it was a very, it was, it was a very personal film. It's very deep, very heavy on subject. Um, and I would say Killers of the Flower Moon is very much more in sync with that. Um, the film, I, I say you can't really spoil it. Uh, it's because the intentions of the characters, well, you can't spoil it because it's, it's based on a, it's based on a true story, right? The, the Killers of the Flower Moon is, is based on a, it's a nonfiction book. Um, by an author called David Gran, which was published in 2017, which essentially delves into the true story of a, a, a series of murders that took place in the early 20th century in the Osage Nation, um, which was a, a Native American tribe, um, Indian tribe in Oklahoma. Um, and there were a series of murders of the prominent members of this Osage Osage tribe as they become very wealthy uh, on their reservation land there was a discovery of oil um and where there was money as as the as the kind of some of the the elders of the tribe say within the film you know we've taken this white man's money um and with this comes you know problems and it's it's you, you join the film um, with Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Ernest Buckhart, who is, a, I believe, a First World War veteran. He's come back, this hero, comes to his uncle, William Hale, who calls himself the king, the king of the Osage, um, to look for work, to look for work in America. Now he's back from war. Um, he wants to earn money. And his uncle, who is... I guess a, a landowner or somebody, he's a very wealthy, well-to-do person around this, you know, around Osage County. I'm not sure what his actual position is, whether he is just a person, a, a broker, a, a man who knows how to make and bring money towards him. Um, he seems to have a very good relationship with the Osage tribe. Um, he speaks the native language and I, I just assume he's somebody who has made himself very helpful to them as well to understand the money that they have, how they can best use it, how they can potentially invest it, so on and so forth. But his plan, essentially, as is outlined, and like I say, this is the opening five, ten minutes of the movie. I think you probably even see this in the trailer. His plan is with Ernest Buckhart, his nephew, you have to go and marry into this family. You have to go and marry into, as you see lots of other white men doing, going in and marrying members of the tribe in order to siphon their money out, in order to take this oil money away from them. So Ernest Buckhart is essentially given the task of marrying Molly, who is one of the, the daughters of Lizzie, who is one of the elders of this tribe who has some say over a patch of land, um, which is oil rich, if you like. Um, and so the film is essentially following Leonardo DiCaprio, um, his character Erna, Ernest, and his attempts to m marry Molly, and then slowly take her life, her wealth away from her. And 
it's stated up front exactly what type of a character Ernest is. And it's it's you you watch the horror unfold on screen. Um, you watch this insidious plot to when if we look at kind of the history of of America, we look at the kind of the plight of the you know the native people there um, after the foundation of the colonies from the from the Europeans. Um, subsequently, after the British and the French were removed from America. The American plight, you know, the frontier to colonize the rest of America after that, after the foundation of the 13 colonies, um, putting the indigenous people into reservations and such. When you just thought that, you know, there was nothing more that could be taken from the people, you know, people conspire to find another way in which to do that. Um, and all along in the background, you have Molly's family who are being exterminated they are being killed one by one by one um so that william hale and ernest um can get their hands on on the osage oil money and it's that that is and it's 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 this has obviously you know there's there's uh, this has caused uh, much discussion um Scorsese was very from from my reading around this Scorsese has been very keen to um impress that he doesn't want to follow along some of the same mistakes that have been made in the past there are films like uh most famously Dances with Wolves is a big film that has a big kind of white savior narrative to it um you got The Last of Mohicans which didn't really do much to dive into the to to get an authentic kind of idea of the the differences between tribes and such they used I, I believe a very kind of paint by numbers approach to the portrayals of native people um and the respective tribes and such within the last of the mohicans um and i, I don't know that scorsese was at uh at, at pains to make sure he didn't follow similar mistakes so he did work with actual descendants of the osage tribe he spoke to them um, and w one of these early discussions that I understand that came out of this is that he initially wanted to have the have the film. He wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to play a film uh, to play a character called Tom White, which is subsequently played by Jesse Plemons. Now, Tom White is an agent sent from the early, um, I guess, the early founding FBI. Um, they called themselves like the Bureau of Investigations back then, um, sent from Washington to investigate these murders. You'll see that part in the trailer. Um, and obviously Ernest is like, and what about the murders? And he's like, well, who's doing them? You know, it's, it's, it's that type of thing. Um, where there's, the, and one of the, one of the, the, the themes of this, that I guess it's echoed throughout it is the feeling of these, these white guys, these white Americans feeling invincible and, Equally, the, the native people having no voice, no voice whatsoever. The FBI, actually, we, we find out, um, and I guess this is partly, it's not a spoiler, this is history. This is history and we see this all unfolding. The FBI only came to investigate this case because the Osage people paid them to. They paid them to come and investigate why they are all being murdered, why there are, there are so many deaths happening within this concentrated part of america um and nobody cares about it and nobody is lifting a finger to help them whatsoever 
Um, but back to the point on Scorsese. Scorsese did want to centre the film around Tom White and his investigation. Um, but, you know, the, the, the people, the Osage people at this point flagged with him that this is, we're just hearing the story again from a white perspective. Um, this is this is history repeating itself in a different way. This is a, a film being made out of our pain, out of our story, and ultimately money again being made out of us. Um, and so Scorsese apparently ripped the script up and started again and was keen to start again. Wow. And yeah, and you know, the, the, still there is still some talk that this film is still too white-centric, that... You know, to, to still Leonardo DiCaprio's Ernest Buckhart is the main character in this, along with um, Lily Gladstone, who plays Molly, his wife, Molly Burkhart. Um But it, it does. Yeah, you do see it does still come from Leonardo DiCaprio's perspective. And I, I'll be interested to know if there is a if this is something of a directorial decision, if the decision is there to say that, you know, the we're putting Ernest Burkhart doesn't come across as this sinister, evil, horrible person. He seems like a normal person trying to get by. But that makes this story all the more profound. It makes this story all the more sad. And it's it it sounds it sounds ridiculous to say that that you need to have this spelled out in this way, but. You, 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 we, we've we've spoken about this many times on BYOB, right, Ben? That you know, the some of the scariest things, some of the scariest ideas come from not the monster, not this big demon painting the baddie as this thing, but when the the monster is a normal, ordinary. I, I mean, I should you choose my language very carefully here? Like normal. I don't mean this by the fact he's a white character or anything like this. I just mean like a, 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 a well, I guess that probably is what I mean. Someone in, in plain sight. But he, he's somebody that you, you, you see in movies all across the thing, this kind of humble, just war hero, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, one of Hollywood's sweethearts, playing this character that is an insidious, manipulative murderous, greedy, awful, disgusting person. Um, and like I say, this isn't hidden at any point. There's no grand reveal to this. This isn't a spoiler. This is outlined from the beginning. You could read a plot synopsis of this movie and it will tell you exactly what it is. And there are many opportunities within this film that you see for repentance, for somebody to do the right thing and at every single point they don't people do not do the right thing at any point throughout this film and you just slowly like i say and this is this is it you slowly see the horror unfold across three and a half hours of film um the pain the neglect that is dealt to to the to the to the native people within this story and it's 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 it feels like, like I said, off silence. It feels like Scorsese, in my opinion, anyway, trying to do the right thing, trying to tell a story that, I mean, I say hasn't been told, but at least hasn't been told on screen before in this way, where the the yeah the, the you know the the white guy, the white American is is the villain of sorts, 
it's but I mean it's it's not dramatic in that way. It's 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 history. It's showing you how it's almost like ink ink being dropped on a piece of paper and slowly blotting out throughout that piece of paper. Just this creeping slow. There's no there's no need to rush this. There's no need to have this big dramatic war to wipe these people out to to do this. We can just slowly drip 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 take from them take 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 bit by bit slowly dissolve them their culture all of it just to make ourselves some money and that's and that's all it is you know it, and it it's 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 visited in several different films not just on a human level but it's visited in theme themes of the expansion of modernity of of people spread into nature what was once these beautiful prairies are now built up in this you know this sprawl this suburbia that we would so closely see resembles the life that we have today that has been built over nature that our our need to value money possessions the material over life itself is something that finds us in you know the, the place that we are now not only with the environment but in the way that things are kind of going with our society today and I think Scorsese wraps a lot of that up and it feels like a very personal film and it feels like a film where he is really trying to you know tell people that something terrible has occurred here and did occur and none of us did anything about it <laughs> and this is what happened. Um, but the film, you know, if we to talk about this as a film, it's it's a Scorsese film, so it's lovingly crafted. It's beautifully shot. The uh, the the score, the soundtrack is. They've they've I, I believe they've kind of gone with a more of the. It's not fully modern. It's not like Peaky Blinders modern, where it's like pop songs and things like that that we would recognize. But I would definitely say the stylings are this kind of southern country rock type vibe that I probably don't think is in keeping with the time. So there is a there's a kind of brush with modernity there with it. Um, I, I say I've kind of spoiled bits of it. There are still there are there are surprises and things. There are twists and turns throughout the script. So please don't get angry. Don't at me with loads of stuff that I've completely ruined the film for you because I haven't. But the only way you can really talk about this film is to talk about what is a piece of history, what has occurred, um, and and you know that is there's no hiding from that. It's it's not a spoiler. It's history. It is what it is. Um, there are some, I mean, astonishing performances in this. Robert De Niro. When you think he can't, you know, he, he, there's nowhere. There's no. There's no better sort of. You know. There's no greater heights he can reach. He does. Um, DiCaprio is. Yeah, sorry about you. Go. Was, yeah. No, no, I was going to say, just in terms of like looking at the cast, it literally is it's sort of kind of thrown the kitchen sink at it, hasn't it? In terms yeah. of the the people involved, it's really quite incredible. And I wondered whether that's partly just look, obviously an incredibly sensitive and important subject matter, but also Martin Scorsese being it's just fascinating the way that it's listed on on just on Google or IMDb or on Wikipedia, it's so rare for a film to be listed via its director and not its leading star. Yeah. 
and it's it, pretty special. Yeah, it is. I, I, the, the the thing is, I would say, um, you you've got to give it. If we're talking MVPs and everything like that, as we do in our in yeah, our go on. Who is it? Who is who's the MVP in this? Lily Gladstone, who plays Molly Burkhart, um, who is Leonardo DiCaprio's wife in this. Who was apparently before this movie was it was made before she actually spoke with Scorsese before her agent did and everything was about to quit acting. Um, she, wow. You know she's she's worked in various different movies before. Um, I I would happily attest to the fact that I I haven't knowingly seen her in anything before this film. Um, and it is. You know, I, I, I get this. I, I get what people's reactions to this kind of stuff, me saying this on here. You saw what the reaction was like to when I, you know, said something positive about Barbie. People will be sceptical of this. They will say, I'm just saying this to make some point, some, you know, faux posturing, woke point or whatever. But she's absolutely astonishing. Like the the emotional depth to her portrayal of Molly Burkhart, the conflicted feeling she has of being in love with somebody but knowing in the pits of her soul that he's a wrong'un that the people around him are dangerous bad people and almost not wanting to accept that he might be one of them that he is that person in turn um and I think you know my, my the portrayal of Ernest Burkhart is slightly sympathetic at times i do think you, you have this conflicted feeling where he is in love with his wife and i think it's up to the audience to decide i'm not here to tell you whether or not he did and i don't think that's scorsese's point within this to tell you whether or not he did i think he leaves it open to the audience to decide um but the depth to lily gladstone's performance i can imagine it comes from a very personal place but just also as as an actor as an actress um is it's brilliant. Uh, it's a brilliant film. It 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 does. I mean, you know, it doesn't fly by. It it does. It it does feel like a long film, and the subject matter is, it's very heavy. Um, you know, and it, it's definitely one that will 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 make you think. And like I say, there are, there are a few surprises along the way, especially in the final act of the film that definitely have stayed with me and probably always will. Um, so it's, it, it just, I, you know, I would say get out to a cinema and watch it. It will be on Apple TV soon enough. If you don't want to sit, I understand. I know not a lot of people want to sit in the cinema for three and a half hours. Myself, we've spoken about this on pods recently, big protector of cinema. If you can do go and watch it in the cinema, but I do think you can watch this at home if you really feel that you need to, because I think this is a film where you have to be in a comfortable setting and I think it, the subject matter deserves you really absorbing it, not looking at your yeah, phone. Focused. Do you know what I mean? Not drifting off yeah. to really stay focused on it and lose yourself to the story, to the narrative, to the world that has been, you know, portrayed by Scorsese here. Cause it's, it, yeah, I think it's, it's a, you know, I think uh, a lot of people were thinking Oppenheimer myself included was going to walk, the uh, Oscars, but this has come along, and I think there's there's going to be some very serious and difficult discussions that are going to come out of the back of this. Yeah, that's for sure. So, uh, yeah, I did have like two very quick final questions. W one was to do with that. I mean, we've we're now we're now very much into the kind of season where films start to come out 
with a, a very direct time in mind around PR and around yeah. Oscar buzz and the ability then to take your film and then off the back of it, send your cast on on the rounds, you know, and make sure they're doing every last interview to try and sweep at the awards. But having seen this now, where do you place it in this year's, um, I guess, roster of films that have that have caught us? Because we had a huge summer. Yeah, it's it's up there with the very best of them. It's uh, it's definitely up there. And I is think, it a shootout? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, is I mean, Oppenheimer and this in particular is two big movies handling two very big subjects and. Yeah, it's uh, it it will be it will be interesting to see which way this one goes. But I would say I will be quite surprised. Um, I'm yet to see. So I think Emma Stone has got a film coming up. She's still favourite for um, best actress, and I'm not. I can't remember what the film is. Um, Oscar odds, Emma Stone. It's the, the film is yet to come out. Um, there's another film, Carrie Mulligan, coming out called The Maestro. I've heard about it. a film called Poor Things with Emma Stone um, that's doing the festival circuits now that has her tipped for Best Oscar. So, you know, obviously I can't speak of that yet, but I would be very, from what I've seen so far of films at least, I'd be very, very surprised if uh, Lily Gladstone isn't in the conversation for uh, for Best Leading. Um so too, I wouldn't be surprised. It's going to be a shootout between De Niro and um, what's his name, Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. Um, for best supporting, for best I would supporting. say. Yeah, um, it's. Uh, I mean, still for me, Murphy still takes it over DiCaprio if we're talking about best leading. Um, but the film, in terms of best film, best director, who knows? Who knows? It, it, it's it so fascinating, be, isn't it? Yeah. Do you think like this? It's it's all so made up and such absolute nonsense really like the oscars like the awards and all of the the ceremony and the pomp of it but at the same time when you've watched such incredible art and incredible creation even though on the one hand i feel it's just ludicrous and silly and all a bit much on the other side i'm like it's the ultimate recognition of your work yeah, you know, it's the the ultimate recognition that you created something in the space of twelve months, or delivered something in the space of twelve months that was the most outstanding thing you could have possibly created in comparison to the rest of the industry. And it really, to, it sort of, I find it, um, it definitely kind of drags me one way and the other. This kind of discussion around the Oscars, because on the one hand, I do have this this feeling like, well, it shouldn't be down to just the Oscars to decide whether that was a, a perfect film or, or as close to perfect as you can get. And on the other side, I just find it so fascinating. I think there is an innate, inbuilt, unavoidable need to rank things, like mm. an, an unavoidable kind of, oh, well, we need to discuss and decide and, and put these in, the, in in their place. Hopefully, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get to the end of the year. Um, and people will still be talking about the merits of the different films and the fact that Barbie did something that I don't think any film has ever done before, yeah. really, in terms of the way that it approached the the marketing and the way that it was delivered. But just when you have two films that, I suppose Oppenheim is a, a biopic, would you put, you, 
I suppose this is definitely a, a, a retelling of a true story. Would you put this in, does this go into that category? Are the characters um, fictional characters or are they non-fiction characters? Uh, they, they are they're, they're non-fiction characters as far as I'm aware. Um, they are based on, on real right. people on a, and on a real case, yeah. Um, so. which, which, when it comes to the Oscars, is always very, I wouldn't say contentious is the right word, but it certainly divides opinion, doesn't it, around... Um, when you look at the history of the last 20 years of the Oscars, it tends to be that biopics or films that are based on real life events tend to perform quite well when they're yeah. done in depth. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes in March. Um, last question from me, mate. So I guess it's kind of a two part. Did it live up to the expectation you had for it? And what is your popcorns out of five? Oh, my expectations for it were very different to what the film turned out to be. Um, so I would say, no, it didn't, but it, it surpassed them in a different way. You know, I came out of right, there, totally. having yeah. watched a very different film than I thought I was going to. And I, I fully admit to the fact I've gone into this ignorant entirely to what the story was based on, to the, you know, the Osage, the Osage country murders and everything like that. So, um, so yeah, I would say that. And yes, I mean, it's, it's a it's a five out of five mate for me it's five out of five it's uh you know i watched it in imac see it in the cinema yeah big comfy seat you know had my popcorn had the lot of it it was you know it was great it's what it's what cinema's about um so yeah go 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 watch it lose yourself to it and uh yeah <laughs> Just enjoy the mulling over the the subject matter afterwards. Right, I will. I'll report back on BYOB Pod when I've caught it on Wednesday this week. So um, yeah. Also, make sure you check us out at BYOB Pod Instagram, Twitter, and on TikTok. Um, and also make sure you subscribe to the channel if you haven't already subscribed to the channel. And we create podcasts every single week for you to get involved in around classic films and films that are out in the cinema as well. Just search for BYOB Pod on Apple Podcasts, which is Bring Your Own Blockbuster, or on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Um, yeah, a bit of a special one today, but we'll catch you on Monday, as we always do, with lots of reviews and the full pod then. See you next time.